Welcome to We Drink and We Farm Things. This is the farm comedy podcast that is an adult happy hour for the farming community. We drink adult beverages, talk about the ups and downs of farming things, and give zero clucks about not having the perfect farm life. We keep it real with you and share the mistakes we've made and what we've learned so you can feel less alone in this farm thing. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. Oh, hey there, Sam. Oh, hey there, Bev. What you drinking? I am drinking a 50 West Brewing Get Baked. Ooh. What's that? Exactly. It is a peach sour. Ooh, that sounds yummy. Yeah, it is. It's super yummy. And I'm really excited because 50 West just opened a brewery location in Chillicothe. And yesterday was their opening day, so naturally, Jared and I went straight there and picked up lunch and crawlers, and this is what was left in the crawler this morning. We save our crawlers by, like, putting plastic wrap on them and a rubber band, so that way you can still drink the leftovers the next day, and it's almost as good as it was fresh. Like, it loses a little bit of its fizz, but I figured might as well finish it off today. (laughs) Yummy. So what are you drinking over there? Today I am drinking Bell's Christmas Ale, and it is a Scotch Ale, and I think I drank this one last year when we did the episode around Christmas. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I almost opened a Christmas Ale, but because I had this already, I was like, nope, I'm just going to have to drink my Christmas Ale late. <laughs> hey, you know what? If I had fresh beer too, I would drink it. Our drink peep this episode is our friend Elizabeth Steves, and she is at Steel02 over on the Instagram. So cheers, lady. Cheers. So since this episode is dropping on Christmas Day, um, we thought it would be super fun to talk about Christmas trees. Yes, and it's a little different than last year. We're not going to tell you how to start a Christmas tree farm this time. Right. No, (laughs) we're just going to talk about, like, how the heck Christmas trees became a thing. Like, why do we, you know, either put up a fake tree or chop down something grown outside and bring it into our house? Like, why? (laughs) You mean, why do we hang the corpse of the forest? Like... (laughs) In the middle of our living room and then put shiny things on it. Yeah, I definitely want to know this because there's got to be a reason. (laughs) I know. It is like I've never thought about it that way until like we were putting this episode together. Like I was like, it is kind of weird that we do that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So today we're going to talk about the history of Christmas trees. And we're also going to cover some fun Christmas tree facts. And then we'll send you on your way. But we're hoping, like, you know, if you're driving around on Christmas Day or the day after, uh, or you're gearing up for New Year's Eve, you you just kick back and listen. Well, don't kick back too much if you're driving. But you know what I mean. (laughs) Enjoy. (laughs) Yes. So how did the tradition of Christmas trees even start? The history of Christmas trees goes back to the symbolic use of evergreens in ancient Egypt and Rome and continues with a German tradition of candlelit Christmas trees first brought to America in the 1800s. So long before the advent of Christianity, plants and trees that remained green all year had a special meaning for people in winter. 
Just as people today decorate their homes during the festive season with pine, spruce, and fir trees, ancient peoples hung evergreen boughs over their doors and windows. And in many countries, it was believed that evergreens would keep away witches, ghosts, evil spirits, and illness. That's kind of interesting. I mean, yeah, these plants stay green all winter in the snow, so they must have some sort of magical powers, right? Magic. Yeah. (laughs) And in the Northern Hemisphere, the shortest day and longest night of the year falls on December 21st or 22nd, and it's called the winter solstice. And many ancient people believed that the sun was a god and that winter came every year because the sun god had become sick and weak. They celebrated the solstice because it meant that at last the sun god would begin to get well and return. And evergreen bows reminded them of all the green plants that would grow again when the sun god was strong and summer would return. The ancient Egyptians worshipped a god called Ra, who had the head of a hawk and and wore the sun as a blazing disc in his crown. At the solstice, when Ra began to recover from his illness, the Egyptians filled their homes with green palm rushes, Mm -hmm. uh, while symbolized for them the triumph of life over death. Early Romans marked the solstice with a feast called Saturnalia. uh, Saturnalia? Saturnalia? Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. But it's in honor of Saturn, if you didn't pick up on that already. And Saturn is the god of agriculture. The Romans knew that the solstice meant that soon farms and orchards would be green and fruitful. To mark the occasion, they they decorated their homes and temples with evergreen boughs. Is it boughs? I don't know. I always say bows. Bows of holly. (laughs) Oh. Yeah, it's probably bows then. Maybe it's like poinsettia (laughs) and poinsettia. (laughs) Probably. Somebody can fact check us. (laughs) And in Northern Europe, the mysterious druids, which were the priests of the ancient Celts, also decorated their temples with evergreen boughs as a symbol of everlasting life. The fierce Vikings in Scandinavia thought the evergreens were the special plants of the sun god Baldr. All right. So that was a fun little journey way back. Um, And now we're going to skip over to Christmas trees from Germany. Germany is credited for starting the Christmas tree tradition as we know it in the 16th century when devout Christians brought decorated trees into their homes. Some built Christmas pyramids of wood and decorated them with evergreens and candles if wood was scarce. It is a widely held belief that Martin Luther, the 16th century Protestant reformer, first added lighted candles to a tree, which seems really stupid to me. (laughs) I don't know. Seems like you might burn your house down. Mm -hmm. But walking towards his home one winter evening, composing a sermon, he was awed by the brilliance of stars twinkling amidst evergreens. To recapture the scene for his family, he erected a Christmas tree in the main room and wired its branches with lighted candles. Huh. I've definitely seen pictures of, like, that sort of thing. And I've always kind of wondered, like, man... Did these people not have very much anxiety? Because that would send mine, like, right through the roof. (laughs) Well, one thing to keep in mind when you first cut a tree down, it's still pretty green. So it's pretty wet. 
So yeah. I'm thinking that the only time it became a danger is like, so, you know, we we always cut down a fresh tree or we go pick up a fresh tree and we do it sometime around the 1st of December. Well, if like I forget to water it or it's just one of those trees mm-hmm. that doesn't like suck up the water well by Christmas, it is dry as a bone, like yeah. ridiculous. And at that point, it becomes a serious serious fire hazard so when that happens we always pull it down like on christmas day <laughs> just to be safe yeah because you're right my anxiety couldn't handle that <laughs> so who brought christmas trees to america well most 19th century americans found christmas trees to be like super odd they were like why why are we bringing this tree corpse into our house <laughs> The first record of one being on display was in the 1830s by German settlers of Pennsylvania. That kind of makes sense. You know, that's where this kind of started. Because, as we just said, bringing trees into the house had been a tradition in many German homes. The Pennsylvania German settlements had community trees as early as 1747, but as late as the 1840s, Christmas trees were actually seen as pagan symbols and were not accepted by most Americans. Huh. It is also not surprising that, like many other festive Christmas customs, the tree was adopted so late in America. To the New England Puritans, Christmas was sacred. The Pilgrim's second governor, William Bradford, wrote that he tried hard to stamp out pagan mockery of the observance, penalizing any frivolity. The influential Oliver Cromwell preached against the heathen traditions of Christmas carols, decorated trees, and any joyful expression that desecrated that sacred event. God, what a buzzkill. I was going to say, what a fun ruiner. (laughs) (laughs) In 1659, the General Court of Massachusetts enacted a law making any observance of December 25th other than a church service a penal offense. People were fined for hanging decorations. This continued until the 19th century, when the influx of German and Irish immigrants undermined the Puritan legacy. Go Irish and Germans! Woo! Yes. <laughs> In 1846, the popular royals Queen Victoria and her German prince Albert were sketched in an illustrated London news standing with their children around a Christmas tree. And unlike previous royal families, Victoria was very popular with her subjects. And what was done like within her household suddenly became super fashionable and trendy, like not only in Britain, but with fashion conscious East Coast Americans. Mm -hmm. And after this uh, photo op, suddenly the Christmas tree became like in vogue, I guess. Yeah. Go Queen Victoria. You know, I've been watching The Crown on Netflix and I've learned so much about the royalty and it starts with elizabeth ii who is the current queen but can technically the queen is the head of the anglican church so if she said it was okay then that probably did give some green light to americans from a religious standpoint that's just a big fat guess based on you know the very true stuff i'm probably watching on netflix (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so something else I just realized, Queen Victoria was also the queen that gave us hen fever. 
Oh, she is such, she's like queen of queens. Like super trendsetter right there. Ugh, goals. <laughs> Chickens and Christmas. Gosh, she's just. I mean, just we have a lot to thank her for. Yes. <laughs> so by the 1890s, Christmas ornaments were arriving from Germany and Christmas tree popularity was on the rise around the United States. It was noted that Europeans used small trees about four feet in height, while Americans liked their Christmas trees to reach from floor to ceiling. Can I get an amen for that? Love me a good tree. (laughs) (laughs) The early 20th century saw Americans decorating their trees mainly with homemade ornaments, while the German-Americans continued to use apple, nuts, and marzipan cookies. Have you heard of marzipan cookies before? So I've heard of them. I can't say that I've eaten them, but they are okay. a traditional Christmas cookie. I know that. Oh. And as you've probably seen before, maybe you've even done this yourself, um, popcorn joined in after being dyed bright colors and interlaced with berries and nuts. Electricity brought around Christmas lights, making it possible for Christmas trees to glow for days on end. With this, Christmas trees began to appear in town squares across the country Having a Christmas tree in the home became an American tradition. Thank you, Queen Victoria. Yes, we <laughs> owe her so much. We do. <laughs> All right, now let's talk about the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree because that's like a big deal and a little owl was recently rescued from it. You may have yes. heard in the news. It was one of your can't evens. <laughs> it was. He was so cute. Yes. So the Rockefeller Center tree is located at Rockefeller Center, west of Fifth Avenue, from 47th through 51st Streets in New York City. I've never been to New York City, fun fact. And this tree tradition dates back to the Depression era. The tallest tree displayed at the Rockefeller Center arrived in 1948. It was a Norway spruce that measured 100 feet tall and hailed from Killingsworth, Connecticut. And the first tree at Rockefeller Center was placed in 1931. It was a small, unadorned tree placed by construction workers at the center of the construction site. And two years later, another tree was placed there, this time with lights. And these days, the giant Rockefeller Center tree is laden with over 25,000 Christmas lights. Whew, that's a lot of untangling. <laughs> I'm sure they have a system for that. Do you have a system for your Christmas tree lights? Because we have a system for um, all of the holiday lights in this house. Not really, but uh, truth time, we don't really take down our outside lights. We're those people. <laughs> um, I'm hoping this year we do, like we become adults and take them down. I Matt's really good at meticulous things like that, so I'm sure he would do fine. But everything else, like, the tree has always been pre-lit. This year, though, we did buy separate. So we're going to have to, like, figure our stuff out. But normally, we don't have too much of an issue. And considering that, like, the indoor lights, I mean, you can buy a strand for, like, $3. Like, if it's too stressful, like, I'll probably just throw them out and get new ones. (laughs) So wasteful. (laughs) One of the problems we run into here, though, is that you can't find Christmas lights. Like, I wanted to buy more for our cutest coop out there, and all we could get were the strands that I have hung up on there. That was all we could find. So we were like, well, we'll wait, and then hopefully we can find some more later and eventually cover the whole thing. But that was all we could do. 
Yeah, I wonder, I know this year I went all out inside with lights because I was bored and had nothing else to do and I wasn't going to go anywhere. So I wonder if a lot of people like did that this year and that's why they're so hard to find. That's a possibility. If you're feeling like your chickens are difficult to buy for because they already have everything, Grubbly Farms Grubblies are the perfect chicken snack to gift your flock this holiday season. Yes, gift your chickens a healthier alternative to mealworms. Grubblies, the nutritious daily snack for healthy and happy chickens. When you purchase Grubblies, you can take comfort in the fact that Grubblies are 100% natural, they are non-GMO, have zero additives and preservatives, and are grown in the USA and oven-dried under USDA regulations. These black soldier fly grubs are one gift that you can be sure will not be returned this holiday season. When you purchase Grubblies, not only are you buying a safe, healthy chicken snack, but you're also purchasing from a small business, which is such a win-win. We highly recommend the five-pound treat tank that keeps your Grubblies fresh and dry. My chickens do little keg stands on our treat tank during the Grubblies happy hours, perfect for any poultry holiday party. So go to grubblyfarms.com and use code FARM15 to get 15% off your first order today. All right, so now let's do some Christmas tree trivia. Woo! Yes! I was going to say, I don't hear any enthusiasm on the other side, so I'm glad you came through. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so our first bit of trivia is that Christmas trees have been sold commercially in the United States since about 1850. So that lines up with the time where they started being kind of a bigger deal, uh, thanks to our friend Queen Victoria. And in 1979, the National Christmas tree was not lit except for the top ornament. So like the star or the angel or whatever you put on the top of your tree. This was done in honor of the American hostages in Iran. Between 1887 and 1933, a a fishing schooner called the Christmas Ship would tie up at the Clark Street Bridge and sell spruce trees from Michigan to the people of Chicago. And the tallest living Christmas tree is believed to be the 122-foot, 91-year-old Douglas fir in the town of Woodenville, Washington. Wow, that's a big tree. That is a big tree, and it's an old tree. Yeah. Um, The 14th president of the United States, Franklin Pierce, was the first president to bring the Christmas tree tradition to the White House. And in 1923, President Calvin Coolidge started the National Christmas Tree Lighting Ceremony, which is now held every year on the White House lawn. And since 1966, the National Christmas Tree Association has given a Christmas tree to the president and the first family. And did you know that most Christmas trees are actually cut weeks before they get to a retail outlet oh i didn't really know that one yeah that might explain why they can get so dry like before christmas actually happens (laughs) i guess that's a benefit of cut your own yes in 1912 the first community christmas tree in the united states was erected in new york city and christmas trees generally take six to eight years to mature yeah so if you're looking to grow your own It's kind of a long-term plan there. Start eight years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Christmas trees are grown in all 50 states, including Hawaii and Alaska. And 100 
thousand people are employed in the Christmas tree industry, which is pretty significant. Yeah, it was more than I expected. Yeah. And another fun fact that I just love, too, is that 98% of all Christmas trees are grown on Christmas tree farms. Yes, even the ones you pick up at the big box store. So there's no shame in that. Yes, exactly. (laughs) More than 1 million acres of land have been planted with Christmas trees. That's quite a bit of land. Mm Mm-hmm. And each year, 77 million Christmas trees are planted. Which means that on average, there are over 2,000 Christmas trees planted per an acre. I'm so glad I didn't have to do that math and they just put it in this article. It makes me Uh, so excited. (laughs) Me too. I would have never done that math. We would have just missed that fact. (laughs) And you should never burn your Christmas tree in the fireplace. It can contribute to creosote buildup. I don't have a fireplace. Did I say that right? Yeah, you did. You said that right. Nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, before we use, you know, the well-known Christmas tree uh, breeds, I guess, that we use today, other types of trees such as cherry and hawthorns were used as Christmas trees in the past. Those are not evergreens, though, so I'm kind of surprised. That is kind of funny. Um, Thomas Edison's assistant came up with the idea of electric lights for Christmas trees. So I'm super glad, like, Thomas Edison didn't take credit for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that his assistant got a little shout out there. It doesn't have his name, though. That's kind of (laughs) unfortunate. Yeah, he was just known as Thomas Edison's assistant. I wonder if that was on his gravestone. (laughs) Inventor of Christmas tree lights. (laughs) Rest in peace. In 1963, the National Christmas Tree was not lit until December 22nd because of a national 30-day period of mourning following the assassination of President Mm. Kennedy. Teddy Roosevelt banned the Christmas tree from the White House for environmental reasons. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That's nice of him, I guess. (laughs) I mean, I would like to know what his environmental reasons were. Hmm. Maybe that'll be an episode next year. (laughs) Maybe. In the first week, a tree in your home will consume as much as a quart of water per day. And I can contest to this. I had to refill that thing every day for the first week. Yeah. You know, the little Christmas tree stand thing? Oh, yeah. It was bone dry every morning. (laughs) Yeah, Matt was doing that for me a lot the first week and he was amazed by how much water this tree consumed because he hasn't had a real tree probably a little longer than I haven't had a real tree so it was a good reminder for us that we have to check that thing every day (laughs) yeah (laughs) and tinsel was once banned by the government because at one time it contained lead now thankfully Question mark? It's made of plastic. I mean, I'm not sure if I should be thankful or not. I mean, it's better than lead, but... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, touching plastic doesn't cause health concerns, so I guess that's a win in one corner, but, you know, plastic on the other corner. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't use a lot of tinsel. (laughs) Me neither. (laughs) 
1984, the National Christmas Tree was lit on December 13th with temperatures in the 70s, making it one of the warmest tree lightings <laughs> in history. Can you imagine? I'd be out there like in a dress at 70 degrees. I'd be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I would be sad because I like snow at Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> It's understandable, but also 70 degrees sounds nice, too. Can we have both? Probably. I know we can't, but that would be fun. (laughs) California, Oregon, Michigan, Washington, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and North Carolina are the top Christmas tree producing states. And the last fun fact we have for you today is the best-selling Trees are scotch pine, Douglas fir, Fraser fir, balsam fir, and white pine. Ooh. What kind of tree did you get this year? So I was just thinking about that. I actually don't know. Really? Yeah, because I picked it up from like a local garden nursery. So it didn't like have a tag or anything on it. Like when you go to Lowe's or like one of those places to pick up a tree, like it has the like the kind of tree on it but this like didn't have a tag it just had a colored um like string tied to it and I guess that probably meant something to the people that sold me the tree but it didn't mean anything to me (laughs) (laughs) we got a con color fir tree and Mm. I didn't know what it was I just saw it from afar and I was like god that's a weird freaking tree and I kind of want it because the the needles on it are super long and they're bendy. So from oh. far, it almost looks like your tree's like got a million jazz hands. Like, like yeah. Like. And the guy, I didn't know what it was because I used the app on my phone and it said white fur. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But like I looked on Google and I was like, this doesn't look exactly like, like a, you know, white fur. So he, I get up to the front and he keeps calling it. It sounded like he said cotton color. And I was like, well, and I didn't really question it. And later I found out, I like Googled it enough to figure out it was con color fur. Oh, or it, so it's not a conifer? It's C-O-N-C-O-L-O-R. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's super cool tree. So you guys can Google it. Um because it's really unique. I'd never seen one before. And I went in there telling myself, I want blue spruce. Because that's what I grew up with. And I like how they smell. But I just saw those trees. And I mean, it was one of those situations where you know it's the tree you want. But you still walk all the other acres looking for other trees. <laughs> and I should have oh, just yeah, told my husband. Totally that like, <laughs> like, just chop this one down. We don't need to go all the way to the other side of the farm. But we did. I got a lot of steps in that day, so it worked out. <laughs> That's good. So I think that ours might be a Fraser fir, but I'm not mm. positive. I'm trying to like look at what the different kinds of like needles look like. And I'm pretty sure that that's it. it they're like super short um, needles, but like, um, what's what I'm looking for? But the branches are like kind of strong, and the needles are also like pretty. Okay. Like, yeah, it's a it's a very um, what's what I'm looking for? Like it's a very robust kind of tree because you know it's it's a big tree, so yeah. it kind of needed to be. And we have really heavy ornaments, so we always go for like one of those like you know more hardy looking trees. Yeah, it was definitely a learning curve. Um, 
decorating ours because we have some heavy ones too. But it had some good holes in it for those heavier ornaments. But oh, good. The, the branches are so flexible in the needles, the way they are and how flexible the branches are. Like you have to put the ornaments like two or three inches back on the branch in order <laughs> for them to not fall off. So it was it was definitely an experience. <laughs> but I yeah. really like it. It's so cute. We'll have to take pictures of our trees and put them on our Patreon so people can see what we're talking about. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah, and maybe if we like post some like, I'll, I'll post close ups like of the branches. Maybe someone can tell me like for sure what it is. But I <laughs> feel fairly confident about Fraser fur from looking at the pictures. But hmm. so that's it, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode about why we put dead trees into our homes. <laughs> all right so just a few housekeeping items for 2020 episodes for december uh we will be skipping our can't even in review segments but don't worry those will be back in january so you should still leave us a review over on apple Podcasts because we will start reading them again on our first episode in january and we're fully like revamping the style of the mug for the winner so yeah get entered into that And we may or may not still be locked out of our social media, but if you can do us the favor of sharing this episode that you're listening to in your Instagram stories and tag at Drink and Farm, we will send you a promo code probably through one of our personal Instagrams if we're still locked out because we can't (laughs) send messages. (laughs) Yes, that is correct. (laughs) So make sure you take a look at the show notes. You'll find links to the articles we discussed in this episode, a survey that's 100% anonymous. You can tell us how we're doing and links to all of our social media goodness and our merch shop. So that's it. Merry Christmas. Yes. We hope that you just had like the best holiday ever. Yes. And if you celebrate things like Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or something else that we're forgetting to mention, we hope those were happy too. Yes, we just hope that your season was merry and bright or really yeah. and bright. <laughs> we just hope it was good and there was alcohol involved. Yes. <laughs> and until next time, drink, farm, and give, give zero, zero clucks. Bye, guys. Bye. We drink things, we farm things, we drink and farm things. My Pet Chicken's mission is to make life easy and fun for urban and backyard chicken owners with our line of products, free information, tools, and resources. And boy, do they deliver. You can mix and match a wide variety of chicken breeds in your order. So if you're not sure which chickens are right for you, there's a handy pick a chicken breed selector tool. They also sell goslings and ducklings if you want to add some waddling additions to your farm. There's a wealth of information on the website to support you as a chicken keeper, too. Go to MyPetChicken.com slash DrinkAndFarm to put in your chick, duckling, or gosling order. That link lets them know that we sent you, and it's a great way to support our podcast while fulfilling all of your poultry addiction needs.